Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. This is Everyone is Hot. I'm Michael Stevens. And I'm Shelley Brooks. Each week, we invite a guest to discuss their movie crush. And the film that proves that person is a stealth sex symbol. Hey, let's get horny. Hi, Michael. Hello, Shelley. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, how do we find you this fine Sunday? Uh, very sweaty. My room is very messy. <laughs> and um, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make some apple pies a little bit later. After I shower, I think. Oh, my goodness. How beautifully yeah. domestic. I love it. Yes, yes. Is how there an occasion you? for these apple pies? Uh, no, there is no occasion for these <laughs> apple pies. I will be making them next week of my own volition because during this time of year, is when my family likes to get together and eat uh, meals together. But uh-huh. there is no holiday that I care to acknowledge or celebrate. <laughs> that is fair. Uh, I mm. respect that. But, yeah. you know, it's always a good time for pie. So, mm. yes. And, you know, this week we're going to be talking about a truly nightmarish movie that is as American as apple pie. Wouldn't oh. you say? Yes, I would, I would <laughs> Did say. Did you like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, great, great segue. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Great, yeah, yeah. So we do have a very special guest who has brought us this movie this week. We are very excited to have him on. We have a true film scholar on this week. He is a film researcher, a film critic. You will have seen his work with the Criterion Collection, with movie, with reverse shot, and much, much more. Our guest this week is <laughs> Kate and Mark Gardner. Hooray! Hooray! Thank you for having me on. 
Uh, <laughs> Welcome, Caden. The kids are so happy to have you here. <laughs> you were a hit with the youth. Wow. <laughs> the youths love him. Caden, could you tell us uh, who your crush is going to be this week and which movie you've chosen? I chose my spiritual T4T icon, <laughs> Karen Black. I love a it. Great, very hardworking character actress, icon of new Hollywood cinema. Featured in movies ranging from Rob Zombie to Dennis Hopper to Francis Ford Coppola. But this movie, well, it's a horse of a different color. (laughs) Um, It's put out the same year as Robert Altman's Nashville, which she was also in and also fantastic in. But this movie is the John Schlesinger adaptation of The Day of the Locust. Oh, I am so excited to get into this one. And I hadn't put together the fact that uh, Nashville and Day of the Locust were the same year. What a perfect sort of double feature of um, <laughs> just nightmarish America. <laughs> oh, this will be really so, interesting to get into. <laughs> somehow Airport 1975 wasn't put out in 1975, <laughs> but also it, but that is also a very important Karen Black text. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Ooh, well, we will definitely get deeper into Karen Black in just a bit. Uh, But before we do, Michael, could you tell us what the movie Day of the Locust is about? Based on the classic novel by Nathaniel West, Todd Hackett, artist, has inspirations to become noticed until he meets Faye Greener, blonde bombshell, and is immediately smitten. She has other ideas. She has Homer Simpson, victim, in her sights. And cruelty and loneliness takes on new meaning as all three are slowly sucked into the Hollywood system of sycophants. Gold diggers, parasites, sucking all life from others as the life and soul is quickly sucked from them. So, um, as listeners will know, uh, we just steal these synopses from IMDb. And I didn't really read it when I put it in. Um, this is very interestingly written. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> has For inspirations me. rather than aspirations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we the first thing like you always have to do with this movie is explain, like, yes, there was a Homer Simpson that predated <laughs> yes. these uh, things. <laughs> so I spent the next week uh, really digging into homer simpson inspiration i was like where did this name is this where they get homer simpson from and apparently completely unrelated right this might come up in our trivia game later on um (laughs) it it had to be something where like one of the creators might have like read a review a scant review of day of the locust in like a newspaper and just didn't and just like (laughs) kind of took it with him but didn't realize the connections right Just yeah. remembered that it had a good ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do now think that the movie would have been better if uh, Donald Sutherland was constantly like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, his violence against children would make sense. It makes so much sense. I mean, he kills Bart Simpson. Yeah. Like, Come here, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have uh. been good. <laughs> well, we have uh, a lot that we can unpack there. Um, but first, I we're supposed to have okay, did, uh, did I lose? Um, a little guest coming in um michael have you have you heard anything do you know have i um, have i heard anything um i mean 
you we have our guest coming usually he communicates with you um oh oh, oh, yeah 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 Um, has he he sent you a a note has he called i mean i know we go through this whole like tap dance every week Uh, yeah 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 yeah. um look uh he's gonna be here yeah all right guys are professional yeah kaden if you weren't aware we we do have a friend i guess you could call him that that comes by most weeks, um, or <laughs> says he's going to come by most weeks. Um, he ha- has yet to sign to actually show up for an episode, I believe. But, um, but you know, it's a new week, so we yeah. might hear from our friend. They call me Yeah, play it a second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every fucking time. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's good. Um, I look, Shelly. I I told Derek. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, we can't we can't be joking around, okay? Yeah. We have we have Kate and Mark Gardner on this mm. episode, and I never yeah, we have like an actual like intellectual wanna, here. This week. I don't want to like our comedy goofies. That we have uh, our comedy goofies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're still asking them for favors. I don't think we can. I don't think that's mm. well, okay. Comedians, you'd think they'd like being called goofies. That's their uh, whole, I, their as, whole a, as a comedian, I do not to be appreciate being called uh, uh. comedy goofy. We don't use uh, the G word. Um, <laughs> that's it's a really outdated term. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's and a nineteen thirty quite offensive. Term. Yeah. <laughs> We're not just goofies. We're people. I only call. I only let my friends call me Goofy. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> you've reclaimed it. I mean, you are my friend, but you know, you I can't. Know, but it's you not know. my place to use. Everybody G-word. wants to be a Goofy, but ain't nobody want to be a Goofy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a really profound quote. <laughs> it's yeah. You've got Paul, mail. Paul Mooney. What was that? Um, is that um? Is that yours? Yeah, it was mine. Um. <laughs> Who could it be? Okay. Hmm. Oh, it's Derek. Hmm. Imagine okay. that. Was he saying that he's going to be here any minute? Is that is that what he said? Well, uh, I will read his email that he sent me. Um, momentarily, just printing it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dearest podcast hosts, it is I, your friend, Dr. Drinkenstein. I have not had the time to construct a new drink this week, as I am currently in Los Angeles, trying my hand at a show business career. Unfortunately, I have found that the City of Angels is somewhat less glamorous than I was led to believe. But never mind my heartbreaking disillusionment. Please enjoy this classic cocktail, the Grasshopper, courtesy of the International Bartenders Association. By the way, if you happen to know any agents in L.A., do you know if they are accepting faxed headshots? Why faxed specifically? Uh, okay, boomer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> come across as rude here, but if uh, anyone's a goofy, it might be this guy. You know what? You sound this like time, a real comedian to me right now. That term. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Real, yeah. real, you know, real goofy not, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Not shocked. Disappointed. But you know, can't say that this is a surprise that. Once again, he doesn't show up. And, you know, I, I just, I don't even understand what this sort of, like, 
quixotic like quest to become a, an actor is like do, does he really think he's going to make it in hollywood this guy i don't think he can um and you he know can't what, even Shelley? show up for his let's own ne- podcast let's never have him on ever again wow i said it that's bold he embarrassed you know me in front of Caden. Caden, i'm sorry about this and we can't stand for that yeah we're really sorry Caden. this it's is just fun. ridiculous it's- it's fun being the guest and kind of not knowing the cues. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean we, that. We don't that... know what you're talking about. We're just having a conversation about our friend. Dr. We're just Jones. having a, a conversation about this this shitty fellow that you know never. About our up. consistently disappointing friend. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? And, he let us down in terms I'm of showing house him. House guests, like I'm, like I guess in the house, and I'm hearing this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Michael, Caden, and I are all wearing matching PJs. <laughs> we sat down together to record this. <laughs> We're sharing a big bowl of popcorn. <laughs> oh gosh. And Derek could be part of this if he bothered to show up, but you know, um, you know what? He can't because we're wearing his Neapolitan col- colors, and there's only three different flavors. Um, <laughs> exactly. There's no room for him in this ice cream dish. Vanilla and strawberry. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. there's no room in this ice cream dish. You heard it here. <laughs> so sorry, Derek. You missed your chance. You have been replaced. <laughs> we are the Neapolitan triplets. <laughs> We're gonna go on. That show sounds like a weird now. sex move. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, man. Neapolitan triplets. <laughs> oh, we did a Neapolitan triplet the other night. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, Derek has let us down by not showing up. Um, but you know, we can cut him a little bit of slack because he did at least provide us with a drink that I will be honest sounds pretty good. So, Michael, you know, if you want to take a minute, fax him back, um, let him know that we're disappointed. And I don't, I'm not saying you should use strong language, but if you called him a goofy, no one would blame you. I used goofy already in my, in my telegram that I'm sending to him right now. I just need to (laughs) boot up my steam generator and, uh. Yeah. And after we finish recording, I am going to put a message in a bottle and put it out to sea for him. I definitely recommend using Western Union to sort of get get it there, be prompt. Yeah. Yeah. Reliable, (laughs) strong American institution. Those guys are good. Uh, So if you guys do want to have a drink as you uh, listen along this week, our friend, enemy, frenemy, Dr. Drinkenstein recommends. I think enemy is fine. Is that? The Grasshopper. Ingredients include... 20 milliliters creme de cacao, white, 20 milliliters creme de menthe, green, and 20 milliliters of fresh cream. Pour all ingredients into a shaker filled with ice. Shake briskly for a few seconds, then strain into a chilled cocktail glass and serve. And that is this week's cocktail, The Grasshopper. I might make one of those after this. That actually sounds pretty good. Um, right? I- I did call him our enemy right before um, <laughs> mm. you went into it, but uh, he might have redeemed himself. I don't know. You know, he's he's working his way back with this, I got to say. So I'll, I'll give him that much. But yeah. you know what? Let's put Derek out of our minds. He gives us nothing but Saurus. Yeah. And we don't need that right now. No, we don't need it. 
Instead, I think that we should talk about the movies that we paired with Day of the Locust. What say you, Michael? I say yay. (laughs) Yay, indeed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, Michael, what movie did you give me? Uh, So I gave you Maps to the Stars. What did you think? I am a big Cronenberg fan. I had somehow never seen this one. I had put it off. Um, If anyone is not aware, Maps to the Stars is a 2014 David Cronenberg movie um, starring uh, Mia Vashikovska and Julianne Moore. And uh, little did I know, it was all about incense. (laughs) Incest, not incense. (laughs) Not incense. I'm burning incense right now. (laughs) There is some incense in there with the sort of reiki woo-woo of it all. but uh, Yes, yeah. Yeah. Incest. Yes, it's about incense and incest. (laughs) What a spooky uh, movie. Um, yeah. yeah. A good, uh, you know, our our theme this week is the dark side of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And this very much uh, <laughs> falls within that prompt. It is a truly bleak movie. Uh, yeah. So what was it that made you pick this one? Um, you know, it, it's a real dark. I remember seeing it uh, once in 2015 and being in the right mm-hmm. mindset to take that movie in somehow the incest uh went completely over my head so i was like man this movie's pretty dark uh <laughs> wait th- what do you mean it went completely over your head i think i fell asleep the first time and <laughs> I was about to say they like the brother and sister like marry at the end <laughs> yeah i was like that's kind of weird um but the second time it definitely the incest definitely hit and so um yeah i i mean Look, a lot of white people with a lot of problems in <laughs> our fair Hollywood. I figure it mm. paired perfectly with Day of the Locust. Um, you know, despite my ignorance, I still think it works. Uh, <laughs> and that's all I got to say on that. Yeah, I mean, I have not been to L.A. since I was like 13 <laughs> years old. So my entire knowledge of that city is from like movies and books um but i find la very spooky um and there are a lot of commonalities between maps to the stars and day of the locust just in terms of like repeated images like they talk which i don't know if it's specific to the films particularly or if it's just because those are like kind of horrifying regularities in los angeles like fire comes up a lot in both of them yes um earthquakes yeah, and I love the very casual name dropping of minor celebrities in Maps to the Stars because, like, more so than the like overtly nightmarish uh, aspects of the movie, that is, I think, what was even more depressing for me. Oh God, uh, Rob Robert Pattinson in the car going through minor celebrities that he's driven real. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> that his first celebrity is uh, Al Gore. Al Gore. <laughs> So, I actually have like <laughs> I have actually a lot to say about this movie because yeah. like um so uh and and in good ways because like mm. I'm also a ride or die Cronenberg fan um mm. but uh this movie is also kind of a very strong collaboration he had with his screenwriter uh the author Bruce Wagner yes who at, 
who was who is like one of the few people who can say he was born in Hollywood but wasn't really born into wealth like mm. his mother like cleaned the houses of celebrities but he basically when he was trying to become a screenwriter in Hollywood basically did what Robert Pattinson's character did which was oh. drive limos for celebrities and like he drove Larry Flint, Orson Welles, Holy a, shit. Bunch of, oh my God. a bunch of people. Uh, but basically, like, his early books, like, I haven't read all of his work, mm-hmm. but I've read, like, his first set of short stories called uh, Force Majeure, mm-hmm. which is about a sort of limo driver, which is kind of loosely the Robert Pattinson character who goes by Bud Wiggins. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about this later, but it kind of connects to F. Scott Fitzgerald's uh, sort of backlot series of stories called the Pat Hobby stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of sort of uh, the dark side of Hollywood there. But um, the movie itself, he's always sort of said he doesn't sort of see his work as satire, but sort of a ghost play. And mm. he strongly sort of sees uh, <laughs> Maps to the Stars as a ghost play in that respect and i mean it's obvious because there were actual ghosts that manifest throughout the movie and um i definitely am into it like i love julianne moore's performance in this like i'm so happy like she won sort of the acting palm in con Mm. that uh in 2014 i believe uh that was it's like so it's very fearless, like what she is doing in this, but she's also playing this kind of archetype we don't really see in movies, but we see on like reality television is all I can describe it. Like I call it real housewives realness (laughs) and what she's putting out out there. And also a fun fact, this is actually the first movie David Cronenberg actually shot in America. What? Really? Yeah, he's always oh, made sure he's always made a concerted a concerted effort to work within the Canadian film industry. Right. So the movie, like you can't hide the fact, like he is actually like in uh, he is in uh, like certain parts of Hollywood right. and shooting there. Like obviously, like these are the same scenes where you would obviously see a Carrie Fisher just pop up out of nowhere, and it just be like a normal thing so yeah Yeah. oh absolutely yeah and it it is interesting I mean it feels like there is such a I don't know a familiarity but also I mean it does make sense that this would be his first like time shooting in LA because he does seem to observe it like a sort of a like he's observing an alien species almost (laughs) like in this sort of like um like sociological attention to detail in the way he observes these characters um but yeah, and there also is just such an interesting awareness of like the the cinematic and like literary literary pedigree of LA as a city. Like there's some throwaway line where someone says to play it as it lays, um, which having just read the Joan Didion novel a few months ago, um, it does seem to capture that same sort of like <laughs> almost like purgatorial, like spiritual malaise that is in that book and in so much like LA literature. Yeah, uh, there's definitely kind of 
Wagner does sort of uh, note he is inspired by Nathaniel West, so that mm. also kind of bleeds into Day Day of the Locust. Uh, but also, like you do, have a lot of the sort of white album yeah. sort of informed stuff of like Didion's work of sort of like people just being very casual in the fact that they seem to hate it here, and yet it's a job for them, right? That they have to constantly be in. And yeah, as far as Cronenberg, like this kind of was like, yeah, this is why I don't really fuck with Hollywood. <laughs> it's yeah. like this is this is my statement. Don't don't call me about doing your sort of project for another <laughs> progeny nepotism case because I'm not going to do it. I think all your people are sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this. Ooh, what a bleak movie. So, you know, we we choose our crushes from these pairings. And it was hard because everyone is so sort of off-putting in this movie. Like, I mean, Julianne Moore is, you know, brilliant and fearless in it. And she also looks incredible. Um, but man, she just reminded me far too much of like rich people that I have like nannied for. <laughs> yeah. So. I had a really hard time uh, <laughs> identifying her as a crush. So I had to go with uh, a very small role, but uh, a cameo of Carrie Fisher playing herself. <laughs> Not even a cameo. She's like essential to the plot. Like every, she sort of sets everything into motion because she mm-hmm. talks on Twitter with <laughs> the main character and then gets her a job. Um, so in some ways, all of the destruction in the movie is uh, the fault of Carrie Fisher. <laughs> or is the fault of uh, Twitter. Which I can get behind that message. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. destructive power of Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, but it was delightful seeing her pop up. Uh, <laughs> but so, uh, you know, Day of the Locust, Maps to the Stars, pretty dark, heavy movies. Um, yeah. They're both sort of like horror adjacent, nightmarish. Um so luckily for our other pairing, it's a slightly lighter. Um, so I chose Hollywood Shuffle, Robert Townsend's 1987 movie. Um, yeah. So tell me what, what were your thoughts and tell us about your crush. So um, this is probably my second viewing of this this year. Um, nice. So I really, I, Liked it, same as always. The movie has, for me, uh, has the feeling of like, ah, my uncle's coming to visit, you know? (laughs) It's a real fun movie. A lot of people I love in it. Uh, Robert Townsend, Keenan Ivory Waynes, uh, John Witherspoon. Rest in peace. He's Uh, so young in this movie. He's so young. So, honestly, uh, you know what? I was going to say, for my crush, I was going to say Robert Townsend, but... yeah thinking through this i don't know that i watching it today i was kind of like john witherspoon he was really like he was good back in those days Mm -hmm. Uh, like even in the waynes brothers era of john witherspoon um but yeah i mean and he's been like a almost a regular on this show he's come up several times yeah get him in the ladies man (laughs) he has maybe maybe we save him um for (laughs) maybe we save him for another episode but um, he's, I'd say he's a notable hottie, but, uh, the one that I was going to suggest for this episode is Robert Townsend, uh, who is fucking cute dude. Um, he's adorable. He's, he's cute as hell. Um, <laughs> he does so much. I, I, uh, I mean, 
I will say my feelings about this movie change every time I watch it. Oh, how so? I like it, but I also do kind of feel like it's a bit of a compromise Mm. because they're, they're such necessary sketches, Mm. uh, but they're sketches. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about uh, sketch-based uh, movies. That's fair. I don't particularly enjoy them. But I do enjoy this because it the material that... I mean, they were never going to put this guy on Saturday Night Live or some shit right. back in the day. So um, it, is a pro- it is something that I celebrate. But at the same time, it, depending on my mood, I feel like it's a little after school specially. Mm, but... Mm-hmm. I'm also, you know, thinking like someone in 2021 in its time, you know, that's something that was probably groundbreaking. So, And it does yeah. have the thing of someone, I mean, I think it, the, the, the content and the form is sort of like reflected in like the, the whole sort of like narrative thrust of it, that this is like a guy who can't get any, you know, interesting, significant parts where he can actually be you know an actor and show show his skill uh so it kind of makes sense that like he makes this movie and sort of throws everything into it so he can show his like entire toolbox like in one movie yeah um but yeah but i but i but i get that as well also you know it's definitely a a lighter (laughs) a lighter tone than the other movies oh my god but the ending is still pretty bleak (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah no hollywood is never going to change but there's always work at the post office it's like jesus christ (laughs) Yeah, I think I, like, do have I did know who Robert Townsend was and also, like, did know what Hollywood Shuffle was for a long time, even before I saw it. Mm. Um, I remember, like, the whole thing about, like, how he and Eddie Murphy both, like, tried out for Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And obviously, like, they picked Eddie, not just because, (laughs) like, he is... To my, in my opinion, the greatest SNL cast member of all time, but mm-hmm. like, but also like it was SNL. Like they, <laughs> it's literally they chose they chose the one person of color. Yep, yep. They pick one. <laughs> they they, their, they got their quota, and yeah. and so it's like you kind of do sometimes carry that sort of chip on your shoulder. So mm-hmm. sometimes doing it in the form of sketches might be, I don't know, maybe therapeutic in a way, but. Yeah, there are some things that I think still hold up, like the whole fact of like uh, the whole fact of like having like drug playing guys on drugs. Oh, yeah. um, Playing and also the fact that Steven Spielberg makes white movies and (laughs) that just ignore them altogether, except if he has to do like a historical movie on slavery. Like I'm very curious what Robert Townsend would be about like the the night the post Schindler's List Spielberg, which oh, it would basically be like very white liberal apologia yeah. Yeah. about <laughs> about race matters. Um, but yeah, a lot of it still holds up. Like some of the humor is still like very of of its time. Oh yeah, yeah, and stuff. But like you know, a lot of the things have not changed. A lot of it is just like. Well, nowadays people are like, don't use black people's pains and traumas. But also the fact is like a lot of 
a lot of the the movies that were coming out at that time were basically just these very thinly veiled stereotypes and, oh yeah and stuff and like unless you were doing something like a shoulder a soldier story which robert townsend was in like mm. it really wasn't all black parts and then even in that case that was explicitly this is a devised black as an yeah. all black movie yeah. so yeah which was also directed by a white man yeah <laughs> so you can imagine uh that sort of uh feeling of like what are what what are the possibilities in trying to be a sort of black creative or just a black artist on screen yeah yeah and i think it also i mean there are some details in it that it makes it uh unclear whether it's just like how little things have changed or it's how big the influence of this movie is like even having in the black acting school sketch uh robert townsend's character being british like breaking character and like, <laughs> yeah. going to the british accent um <laughs> it's like i i you know inevitably thought of that key and peel sketch <laughs> where they're doing some like gang movie and the director keeps being like why can't you be more real like this guy who graduated from rada <laughs> so it's like is it just that like this has always been a problem i mean this has been a big conversation for the last few years of like you know black british actors taking american roles or whatever um but yeah, how much of it is just that like these problems are exactly the same as they were, you know, 40 years ago and how much of it is just that like this movie was so influential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's also oh, God. It's, yeah. I have very mixed feelings on one moment in the um the film noir segment <laughs> where he uses the F word but then he talks about how it's because he like hooked up with a guy at a Christmas party. <laughs> so it's like on the one hand, it's like regressive language. On the other, it's like, okay, this guy who's the you know writer and star of this movie like has a thing about how he like hooked up with a man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I kind, like he, I kind of appreciate. <laughs> I mean, he did direct the Eddie, the infamous Eddie Murphy special Raw. So right, yeah, there Oof. is that kind of dancing with uh, what is. Yeah, what is offensive uh, <laughs> as far as talking about gender and talking about sexuality? Right. And, Oof, gosh. And sort of being like, "Well, I can say this because yeah. yeah, yeah, right." Yeah. Oof, <laughs> complicated stuff. But overall, I I hadn't seen the movie in a long time. It was even better than I remembered. I yeah, still same. find it really funny. Um, yeah, and Robert Townsend, he's like, he's a good star. He's yeah, like, he's you great. know, very, he's very, uh, you know, funny and he's enjoyable to watch. And I think, yeah, just like an attractive movie star. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, God. I, I uh, honestly, I'm in such a bad mood from the, <laughs> from rewatching the do it blacker scene. Um, <laughs> just for the fifth time in my life, um, on film. Cause like, that's yeah. just, oh God. Ugh. That's like the reason I will never do an audition ever again. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> like, real. oh yeah, this has killed acting for me. It's, it's yeah. this, it is literally <laughs> this. Um, yeah. It took me a long time to stop going on auditions, but I think the first thing that uh, made me want to stop was um, when I saw a listing on, backstage there were so many listings for um sex workers and one was um 
<laughs> the role was dead hooker. The description was <laughs> hooker who is not alive. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> the pay was like $25. <laughs> That's not what? <laughs> Auditioning sucks. Movies suck. <laughs> Fuck everything. <laughs> Wait, what? What what movie was it? This was just like a random, like low budget movie uh, that I saw listed on backstage, and I was oh. like, "Man, I hate it here. <laughs> I don't want to do this." I thought it was the Deuce or something like that. Um, no, no, it, it was uh, okay. <laughs> some low budget piece of shit. Okay, yeah, I thought, Dead Hooker I, no longer alive. <laughs> I just thought you saw like one of those awesome uh, sort of log lines for like. A girl who doesn't realize how beautiful she is. Oh, I mean, that was every <laughs> single one. <It's> like, <laughs> she has two lines. She's hot, but in an approachable way. <laughs> oh, God. She's a Main guy's, guy's girl. girlfriend. She's a guy's girl. She's a cool girl. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Angelically beautiful. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway. Acting sucks. Hollywood sucks, which leads us to our main movie, Day of the Locust. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> now, before we get into talking about the movie and Karen Black specifically, uh, we've got a little game that we like to play. Michael, could you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, yeah. We're going to be doing the sexy trivia game to get the listeners real slick for some movie chatting. We're going to get them real slick with some movie trivia. Mm. Shirley, why, 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 don't you, why don't you kick them off now? All right. Number eight. Number eight. The name of Donald Sutherland's character is Homer Simpson. Say what? Which is also a lead character's name in The Simpsons. I know that show. And its spinoffs. Uh-huh. Apparently... The naming is purely a coincidence. No way. Because the cartoon character was named after real people that cartoonist Matt Groening knew. As a gag, Sutherland voiced a guest character in The Simpsons, Lisa the Iconoclast, who meets the more famous Homer Simpson. Mm. Wow. <coughs> Simpsons? That's wow. <laughs> Were you just so worked up, Kate? It <laughs> made you cough. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, so horny made me sick. That's a good sign. <laughs> now, Caden, would you like to do number B? Um, just one moment. I have to take a look at the script. <laughs> yeah, it's also in the chat. Feel free. Feel free. <laughs> take your time. So, Michael. Yeah. How hard are you right now? Uh, I'd say 50%, which is pretty regular. Half chub? Re- regular day. <laughs> I just walk around at a 50% most of the time. Regular day in the neighborhood. <laughs> Won't you be mine? Won't, Won't you, you be, be mine? mine? <laughs> <laughs> it's a half chub day in the neighborhood. Half chub day in the neighborhood, y'all. A half chub day for neighbors. So, I'm going to do the... B. Number B. 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 G. <laughs> Jane Fonda, Goldie Hawn, and Jill Clayburgh 
all turned down the role of Faye Lena. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. That's a lot Ooh, of white women. Just right. Saying <laughs> so no. many white women. <laughs> Do a good role. Oh, white oh. women, what are you doing? What are you doing, white women? <laughs> now, Michael, do you want to take us home with take us number home. C? I'll take us home. Okay, I'm going to pull on Jackie Robinson Railroad. Oh, not the railroad, the, the highway. <laughs> the highway. I don't drive, so you know how it would be. The film. Pull on to the railroad. <laughs> uh, item C. Oh, the music. The music Whoop. stopped. Ready? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> All right, here we go. Number item C. The film in which Faye, played by Karen Black, has a speaking role is Alibaba Goes to Town, 1937. Eddie Cantor is plainly seen, but Black has been superimposed for her scene over Gypsy Rose Lee. Oh. I'm a pretty girl, Mama. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh God, Eddie Cantor. He does. He does my favorite cover of the Man on the Flying Trapeze. Yeah. <laughs> he does my favorite blackface. Well, oh yeah. Wait, what? What? <laughs> he does blackface. Get out of here. I believe so. Eddie Cantor. No, this guy was a good guy. Trust me. <laughs> okay. I mean Judy Judy Garland. Oh, yeah, I mean that's the thing. He was a man of his time. Yeah. What? Blackface. Get the hell out of here. I gotta move. This was on my iPod. Oh. No, no, I'm sorry. God. <laughs> I'm sorry I ruined it. Oh, no, no, no. I'm glad you ruined it. This is bad blood. Shelly, you must always tell me. You too, Caden. You must always tell me when someone is in blackface so I can take them off my iPod. Um, so many faves. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Good. Unfortunately. I'm prepared to have no faves. Yeah. I also just love that you had <laughs> on the flying trapeze on your iPad. Through the air with the greatest of ease, a daring young. He, yeah, Michael loves a little vaudeville. I love a little vaudeville. You know I do, and that's not even a lie. That's the truth. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> okay, so we we had some interesting trivia that ended in a, uh, a bummer piece of trivia unrelated <laughs> to the movie, <laughs> which hey. somehow like didn't didn't pop up in Day of the Locust. Yeah, I <laughs> considering miracle. everything else that popped up in Day of the Locust, I am shocked that it did not. There was a lot of n words in that movie. They um, were very liberal with it. But that's also the time. I'm like, that's what it was. I mean, yeah, I like put in my notes. It's like I kind of have to give them props because, like, at least they're not sanitizing it. Like, I mean, I I get everyone is every, <laughs> everyone is guilty. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. There's a lot of like period piece movies where they're like, no one was racist in the past. What do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> we were all nice. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of um. <laughs> How the seventies kind of had a seventies thirties thing, yeah. Like in the yeah. late eighties, got into the sort of fifties, like early seventies especially was like, let's ride that Bonnie and Clyde wave and just talk, <laughs> right? Just yep. make a lot of movies about the thirties, uh. <laughs> but then it got increasingly more sanitized, and then Day of the Locust just pops up and it's just like it's hell on earth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like uh, like a 70s, 30s movie where it's like, you know how everything's bad right now? This is how it was like in the 30s, too. Like, like they shoot horses, don't they, and shit? Like, it's like, oh, isn't everything a nightmare? Oh, God. It's always been that way. <laughs> so this was a very, uh, yeah, depressing movie. I had to watch it in 
chunks because it kept bumming me out too much. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's very good. I can't believe that I had never seen it before because I do like John Schlesinger a lot. Um, but yeah, it was it was a tough watch. Yeah, it's um to me it like to me it this and maybe looking for Mr. Goodbar are like mm. the ultimate sort of downer endings of the 70s. <laughs> feel bad movies. Goodbar. Gotta add that very to my feel, playlist. Very feel bad movies. Yeah. Um yeah, like obviously a Nathaniel West adaptation. I think the uh, an interesting part about it is um, Waldo Salt, the screenwriter, mm. um, who was previously blacklisted, mm. but sort of had a comeback with Midnight Cowboy and Serpico right. uh, yeah. to his credits. But he also grew up in this time period of the Hollywood back, back lot. So I kind of sort of admire the fact that there was actually a guy who grew up in this time who was mm. like, yep. Everything here is true, <laughs> and it's kind of writing it in uh, with very uh, with arsenic in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. I'm always shocked by movies like this that manage to get funded because they are so like no holds barred about how horrible the industry is. <laughs> like, I mean, the scene of the set collapse is truly. I mean, it's it's crazy like especially seeing this so soon after you know not to be a, a huge bummer but after um that cinematographer was shot yeah. yeah it's like oh no this is hollywood has always been about the bottom line before it has been about <laughs> safety life. yeah 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 and uh this coming out oh the same God. year as this coming out the same year as jaws i believe like yeah uh it's kind of like that sort of birthed the whole different wave of the blockbuster but mm. also how that sort of thread of the blockbuster happens is you have like a twilight zone incident right which is associated with spielberg and it's something that he has always been ashamed about and mm. basically never has talked to john landis since after that yeah. so yeah like the original publishing of the book was in 1939. And again, I think that's also kind of funny because now mm. we look at 1939 as the ultimate sort of year yeah. that basically launched Hollywood into what it was. This sort of, we think of like movie palaces, we think of Gone with the Wind, but we mm. also don't, we also fail to forget how a lot of these films were barely holding together easily could have been just outright disasters were in many ways disasters right once you remove the grosses from them because like many people on wizard of oz almost died oh, well, i was about to say yeah it's like you get poisoned because you're painted with silver paint and like yeah. you're pumping judy garland full of amphetamines <laughs> like, My God. yeah and like also like i remember like uh the critic and writer james agee actually mm. at the time thought it was like the worst year for him in terms of hollywood movies mm. because it was like for him like he was seeing everything right whereas we only sort of see the ones that rise to the top so right. we so it's just sort of like i'm sure people will like remember parasite from now but they won't mm. remember like the vod movies that are now just like lost in some sort of mainframe and yeah. whatever but yeah i there's a lot of uh there's a lot of this movie definitely is a no holds barred wave the middle finger mm. and um 
And to get back to sort of Karen Black, like mm. obviously came out the same year as Nashville. And in many ways, that yeah. one was also a movie about an industry that <laughs> within for the country music industry, they hated Nashville. They hated Robert Altman's Nashville. Yeah, they, I can't imagine uh, considering that ending. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of funny because she also plays this woman who is at the top, but is like hated by everyone mm-hmm. uh, as uh, Connie White. And she has a lovely singing number there. So she's like this talent, mm-hmm. but this talent and the aspiration and is kind of loathed by people due due to her popularity. Whereas the character of Faye is this character who is trying and is trying to move up in Mm. the world that she's in on limited talent, which is again, kind of funny because to me, Karen Black is so strongly playing against type in this role. Like to me, she symbolizes more of the sort of new Hollywood yeah woman like she and Shelley Duvall in my opinion sort of encapsulate the kind of different kind of energy Mm. uh, a female actor can bring even if it's like just like a supporting role like she just pops up I remember watching Karen Black for the first time Mm. in um in uh at school actually like um (laughs) it was one of those things where uh there I had a, there was the substitute teacher, so he had nothing to do but show us like the very forgettable adaptation from the seventies of The Great Gatsby. Right. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's such a, like you think you look at the caliber of people in that, and it's like yeah, Redford, Mia Farrow. You'd think it would be good. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, like Coppola did the script he was supposed to direct, but they mm. got Jack Clayton because Coppola was like, fuck this, I'm going to try to make the conversation. And mm. uh, so it's just so boring. But <laughs> And I was so bored watching it. And then I see Karen Karen Black in uh, the, role, the role of Myrtle Wilson. And mm. it's like, she is the most alive thing here. And I'm like, who is this woman? And I sort of this was like a pre-Wikipedia world. Yeah. World. This is how far back it was. But (laughs) I managed to sort of tie her face together. And then Mm. I was starting to watch more movies from the 70s. And she just kept popping up in like movies with Jack Nicholson. And I'm like, I need to know who she is. She was in Five Easy Pieces, right? Yep. Oh, my God. For that. Yeah. And again... She plays this very sort of unique, very of the time person. Like to me, mm-hmm. she's as fast. She she's sort of that new Hollywood star in the way like Dustin Hoffman or Al Pacino mm-hmm. were. Like mm-hmm. to me, she's bringing this whole different energy and whole different. And she basically gives it her all in everything. Like you can mm-hmm. never say that she has ever phoned in a performance. And I think she's great in this. And unfortunately, <laughs> like this movie is almost the, the this movie almost goes so hard that I think people just felt too punished by it. Yeah. Really want to give it the kudos <laughs> it deserved. But yeah, I think she's great in this. <clears throat> and she's very beautiful in this, but I think she also has a unique beauty that sort of transcends yeah. this sort of type of role of Faye. Mm. And like, again, like uh, she's great in Nashville. She's 
great in Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, yeah. Jimmy Dean. She's great in so many things, but yeah. I, I mean, it's amazing in this movie just how like aggressively unglamorous and unpleasant she is. I mean, yeah. she has these incredible line readings. Like she'll pull these like crazy faces and like do these sort of like weird off kilter reads that like at times genuinely like the closest comparison I could think of was like Patty Harrison. <laughs> like, and, like I think you should leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I love it. It's great. Cause I mean, you know, I, this role could easily be uh, a lot easier if you had a sort of more um, smooth edged, like I guess traditionally like, you know, girlish looking actor. Um, and it makes it a lot more challenging and a lot more interesting as a movie that like she is she's brutal I mean she and she is weird and it's like it's seeing it really to me sort of like hammers home the I don't know I I guess the whole sort of like thrust of the movie that it's not just that like yeah all these guys are in love with a beautiful woman it's like they're all sort of like I mean you know literally at the end it all descends into hell but it's like they're all trapped in this like horrible purgatory where like they're they're in a huge city where there are plenty other you know pretty blondes that they could go out and have sex with but they all like are pulled into her gravitational field and like cannot leave this like horrible greasy apartment complex and can't escape from her yeah she has it she has it and it kind of even though it is against type it does sort of capture the kind of allure Mm. and fascination you can have by like looking at her and hearing her line readings and seeing her sort of body movements yeah and oh everyone does like interesting physical performances and like so so completely without vanity like donald sutherland looks ill the entire movie (laughs) and it's it's incredible like his posture like the way he like sticks out his belly and hunches his shoulders and he's like red around the eyes he's He's like a sexy man and he was very yeah. sexy during the seventies. Like I, yeah. like he, he was honestly a candidate for me to sort of think about in a way, not for this movie. Yeah. I was about to say. But, <laughs> but, but him in like Clued or something. I mean, he's so oh God, hot. Yeah. Yes. He's so hot. And, but yeah, it's so against type. He, mm. he really ha- leans into the sort of hang dog face he does have. Yeah. Uh, having this, that sort of gave me like Laird Krieger before he keeled over mm. type of vibes. <laughs> yeah. um, and William Atherton, like uh, speaking of looking for Mr. Goodbar, like mm. he, he, man, th- this is like the only movie where he is like playing a remotely nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of fascinating to sort of see him in a, in an against type role. Like yeah. the principles are technically all playing against type in a way so it's very fascinating because you already feel like you are in you you're you're in something a little off center to begin with yeah it's like everyone's in like a sort of like ill-fitting suit it's like nothing feels quite right um yeah yeah i mean it's truly like by the end of the movie it's like complete you know like horror film shit but i mean even everything leading up to it i mean the little kid in this movie is truly like scarier than the kid Ooh, in the Omen. Jackie Earl Haley. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Doing, doing the most. Young oh, Freddy Krueger. Fucking terrifying. <laughs> Prepare, preparing for his later roles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my God. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, who is scarier, Freddy or this creepy little kid? <laughs> uh, the character he played in Little Children, uh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And to um, yeah, and to sort of think about also just again the general sort of sense of how of Hollywood at that time, like again mm-hmm. to like a major sort of point for me and sort of appointment reading for me was reading sort of uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Pat Hobby Stories, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> a lot of it is like a lot of things that like is very deeply sardonic, deeply funny. Like, mm. people don't give Fitzgerald credit for how funny he is. And yeah. the Pat Hobby stories is, to me, like, the sort of height of his humor. Like, he, there's, like, he. it's about a screenwriter who basically deals with the fact that he gets his credits removed. He has to work with people. There's a day mm. in which he is no longer employed, but he just hangs out in the back lot of the studio the entire time and gets away with it. <laughs> um, there's one where he just takes tourists on a tour around Shirley Temple's house, mm. which is called House it, House of the Stars, huh. which again, the Bruce Wagner connection. Huh. Yeah. That, um, like these, mo- uh, like uh, Fitzgerald died of uh, again by the bottle yeah. in uh, late 1940. So these stories were published and can be still read in, mm. in Esquire. Okay. Uh, and basically, you kind of get the sense that Fitzgerald, who was working the back lot mm. and had a lot and had a lot of issues with running into sort of stifling creative activity hmm. you can sort of see connections to the hacker character that other 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 tin plays hmm. uh where it's sort of like yeah this ivy league guy who should technically be the guy who you would expect running the thing is an artist hmm. but he basically hates his job and <laughs> it's filled with disappointment mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, so it's like Fitzgerald's Hollywood career isn't a total wash. Like he yeah. wrote uh, Free Comrades, which is a very good Borzegi film, but mm. otherwise like he hated it. He hated working here. <laughs> yeah. He had so many traumatic <laughs> incidents. Like I remember where he was in the commissary and was suddenly interacting with all the cast of freaks and he just <laughs> didn't know what to do oh, with God. himself and he had a very bad reaction. Oh no. Um, oh no. Um I believe he vomited. But, <gasps> oh yeah. shit. Yeah, he didn't know if he was having like a psychological event or not. Yeah. Or wow. Like or it was the drinking and <laughs> could, be the drinking. Had, could be the drinking. Could be the drinking. Yeah, yeah, he he was sort of spent the last years of his life around Hollywood, and you, and even though like what I'm telling you is like deeply dark, it was just like again he funneled that into writing a lot of very funny stories that I think very much capture mm. the sort of dark side of Hollywood, but also in a very sardonic, funny, witty way. Yeah, that is very brutally honest. And honestly, like um, David uh, Fincher's Mank, I I absolutely believe stole from <laughs> from these stories. Like, there's one about Orson Welles in particular where oh. I'm just like, okay, 
<laughs> no offense to David Fincher's lay father, but I'm yeah. 100% positive that um, the Pat Hobby story on Orson Welles was the basis for Mank. Oh, Pat interesting. Orson Welles. Yeah. Oh. oh, man. I never got around to watching Mank because I have a very low tolerance for uh, Gary Oldman, but now I'm kind of curious. Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. So. Yeah. Now, you gave us a list of potential options for your crush, um, and they were all very different. We had, like, a very wide range of of actors. So, I mean, do you have, like, both, you know, in terms of movie crushes or even just, like, in life, do you have, like, any sort of, like, usual type? Because it seems like your your interest is pretty, like, wide-ranging. Uh, to quote uh, Sarah Michelle Geller in Southland Tales, we are a bisexual nation. <laughs> and that's really sort of the extent of how I would uh, describe my crushes. It sometimes does sort of take this sort of energy, mm. uh, energy rather than just a, a physical body type, for mm. example. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it did seem like if there was a commonality amongst the the people that you like presented as options, that they tend to be sort of slightly more off kilter actors or people that make like strong choices. Um, there wasn't a lot of you know sort of like traditional like matinee idol kind of actors. That it was a lot of like interesting character actors who are like very specific. I mean, yeah, I was also uh, obviously following the sort of. Uh the sort of um, prompt. Sure. Of course, like I'm sure I could, if I had the option, like I would choose like Tap Hunter or something like that. Yeah, you wouldn't pick him out of bed. Yeah. uh, Yeah, definitely not. Um, uh, Yeah. Um, Hmm. I mean, I'm looking back through the list right now. Yeah, and I'm also looking just like the age range as well. Like Eli Wallach and Girlfriends, I love um yeah that one is still gosh. something that i'm still trying to wrestle with i'm not <laughs> i'm not even sure how that happened it was like this guy went from the most lecherous horniest dude in baby doll to like the sweetest old man right friends and like i i was like what is going on here why am i so attracted to this rabbi but i think <laughs> also another good example of the playing against type that you know you yeah. have this expectation of like Eli Wallach playing a sort of like piece of shit <laughs> and, then, and then he's just like such a like lovely gentle man in that movie the oh, the best man in that movie in my opinion no offense uh-huh. to Christopher Guest or Bob Alaban <laughs> or whoever but he uh-huh. was the best man yeah I'm so upset <laughs> that that didn't work out <laughs> I know <laughs> oh man oh, that's so good but yeah you had a lot of great choices Michael and I came very close to saying we should go with Yafet Koto and live and let die but we just love him so much that we want to we should have do his a, own episode. we've talked about him before in uh alien um we talked about him in alien I really want to get... talk about him in blue collar yeah, oh, God, yeah I gotta watch blue collar Yafit oh. Kodo and Live and Let Die is just like, I'm. it's like one of those movies where it's like, I felt like the movie came so close to wanting Bond to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the thing with so many of, I mean, I'm not a, any sort of like Bond scholar. I haven't seen a ton of the movies, but I mean, when you get really great actors to play the villains, it's like, 
I mean, I guess that's the point that it makes it so compelling that you're like, do I even want Bond to win? Because like, I don't know if you got Philip Seymour Hoffman or someone, or I guess he was uh, Mission Impossible. But yeah, if you got a good villain, yeah. it's like that's that's when the movie gets interesting because like you don't necessarily like want the good guy to triumph. I wish to yeah. God we could have had uh, James Gandolfini play uh, a Bond <sighs> villain. That would have been fun. I don't know oh what God. it would have been, but <laughs> it would have been a fun it, one. If he had just done it as Tony yeah. Soprano, would have been yes, great. Yeah. <laughs> He's just munching on Gabagool. Hey, get over here. Mr. Bond. Get, get over here. Get over here. God, I am so horny for him. Uh, anyway, to back to Caden. <laughs> this is not about me being horny for Tony Soprano. Um, so you mentioned seeing Karen Black in Gatsby at like a pretty young age. But like, do you remember your first movie crush? My first movie crush. Um, so this is more traditional hottie, but it was probably Christopher Plummer in The Sound of Music. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, that's like, he's daddy. Like, yeah. <laughs> what else can you say? He blows that little whistle at you. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> he can blow that whistle, but then also sing his little song with his guitar. Mm. Yes, yes. Uh, oh that's a very good one have you found that that is sort of like an archetype that's carried over because i know a lot of my like early movie crushes i see the people that i like now and i'm like oh yeah that makes sense i mean the sort of post-war even though that's world war ii Mm -hmm. like obviously christopher Plummer does have the sort of post-world war ii masculinity down to a t uh definitely yeah the kind of sort of very uh, very man of few words very mm. stern looking but once you crack them open open it's it gets a lot more fascinating and tender yep oh yep. yeah and yep. you gotta love a guy where you're like wait he's not british that's always hot what oh yeah just canadian just canadian, just a canadian. Oh, word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, canadians Sexy, sexy. God damn. I gotta I gotta check out his movies. I know. So I know. many good Canadians have showed up this episode. Christopher Plummer, David Cronenberg. I've never seen the sound of music. I know. <laughs> Michael! No. Look, look, look. What? It wasn't it wasn't played in my house, y'all. Okay. Oh my goodness. It was okay. it was just not a movie that, you know. My my dad was putting other garbage in my brain. <laughs> I honestly find that so shocking because it seems like a movie your dad. No, would it does be seem into. like a movie I should have watched. And would my have par- watched. my parents were the straight people who love musical theater, so yeah. Oh, yeah. this was a constant. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's my dad a hundred percent. He is like the like straightest conservative man, but he loves musicals so much. Like he's mm-hmm. obsessed with them. There, my dad loves South Pacific. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my dad, every time I would come home from college, he would have taped things on PBS, like Audra McDonald concerts. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then Michael knows that he'll watch Audra McDonald and go, that's a real woman. (laughs) Oh, Oh, she really uh, is. My my parents let me watch the Mary Mary Martin Peter Pan uh, live television. And again, it's one of those things, it's like, oh yeah, I... Did become a queer trans man. <laughs> the seeds were planted early. Because <laughs> yeah. that movie, that that production was gay. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Sometimes I think about those like childhood things where you're like, oh, 
that makes sense now. Like oh when God. I was in a musical theater dance class and I was like nine years old or something. And it was a me and a bunch of older girls. And we did the telephone hour from Bye Bye Birdie. And I insisted on playing the boy. <laughs> so I could wear suspenders and I'd go around and like stay in character during class and flirt with all the girls. And they were like, can you please stop? <laughs> Shelly. Like, this child is doing too much. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> well, we have gotten a lot of great hotties in the conversation today. So, Michael, I think it might be time for our favorite game. Oh, fuck Mary Kill. Fuck Mary Kill, mm-hmm. baby. So, Caden, you of course know how this game goes. Um, but you know, we don't want to rush through it. You can take your time, explain your reasoning. Uh, these can all be characters. They can be the actors. It can be a mix of the two. It's all up to you. You have total freedom in this. Yeah, um, I just, I'm here for the journey. More yes, so it's all about the journey. Michael, I think that you should get us started. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. So where where am I going to start? Um mm. Oh my god! Off, I gotta go for my gut. Uh, fuck Karen Black. Um, it mm. is the most uh, backwards thing uh, that <laughs> I could do. Uh, not not the act, not the actor, the character of Faye oh. Greener. Um, <laughs> I want to make this a challenge. Um, everyone is their character. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm I'm starting with Faye Greener. I don't know. I just know if I kill this woman in the 1930s, it's the end of me. <laughs> Um, so I, I you put it that way. <laughs> yeah I mean it's the 1930s y'all so um I'm gonna I'm gonna do this um Homer Simpson is probably gonna open the door and and be like and just creepily hang by and then we'll I'm watch be as like, you fucker yeah yeah and I'm gonna be like I gotta get out of here before something bad happens because I want to miss that last 30 minutes of the movie and it's just you know yeah. I'm I I'm kind this yeah, I am here for the chaos, but I'm not here for the child murder. Uh, sure. You know, uh, I mean, that kid sucked, though. So I just don't want to see fair. it. I just yeah. don't want to be there for it. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to hop in my time machine. Oh, no. Okay, I have to. No, okay. I, I, I got to. Fuck. I did this the wrong way. <laughs> I did this the wrong way. <laughs> there are oh. no wrong answers, Michael. Oh, God. There are there are wrong answers. Um <laughs> God, I will not be responsible for the death of uh, Robert Townsend or uh, or uh, Carrie Fisher. I won't do it. Mm. Um, so I gotta kill the evil. I gotta kill the lady. Oh God. Oh gosh. In the 1930s. So I guess I'm fucked. Um, oh no. All right. This is the first time I've ever gone back, but I I I just can't be responsible for the deaths. Um, so uh, yeah. This is all really happening, and the stakes are incredibly high. So I'm just going to hop in my time machine out of the 30s, uh, and then I'm going to actually have I'm, – I'm actually going to hook up with uh, Carrie Fisher in Maps to the Stars because um, mm-hmm. she is Carrie Fisher. So there's so much I can learn yeah. from her. Um, there's so much – I feel like we'd have lots of nice conversations, more conversations mm-hmm. than – then like we'd have sex but i think it'd be mostly a talking thing and i I really like those um (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then uh, i'd hop in my time machine i'd go back in time uh and i would marry robert townsend because 
you know what? Uh, he's got a good job at the post office. Um, <laughs> yep. I can get benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's got a good head on his shoulders. You know, he's about to make a big mistake, mm-hmm. but he didn't do it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, this him in this movie is very much my uh, comfort zone, my mm-hmm. uh, cozy place. So yeah, good husband yeah. material. I'm going to have to marry this man and I'm going to tell him about the time I, I killed a, a white woman in the 1930s and survived. Maybe we'll write a movie about it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think good reasoning on, on all fronts. Yeah, Hayden, I, what that could have gotten really bad. Yeah. yeah I'm, going to, bad. I'm going to stick to the regular actors because, again, <laughs> they're all playing against type and yeah. it's just like... I know I I've watched all of their sort of movies from this period, so I just know that this is just like almost anomaly, uh-huh. <laughs> an anomaly for all of them. Uh-huh. So the three principles I'm concentrating on are Karen Black, William Atherton, and Donald Sutherland. Um, so I'm gonna fuck Donald Sutherland. <laughs> okay, because again, I think he's a very sexy man. It just so happens he is terrible he is a terrible man and not very sexy in this movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) his ass did look really good in one of those scenes though i mean in those high pants like there's a reason why he has a butt shot in animal house when (laughs) you least expect it it's because he has a good one uh Uh, mary karen black Mm -hmm. and fuck william other not fuck and kill William Atherton uh-huh. because unfortunately he plays assholes the rest of his career. Yeah. So and what does that say about him? Hmm? I know. What does it say about <laughs> him? I'm trying, to, I'm, trying, I'm trying to, I'm doing a minority report thing where I'm going to prevent da- from Diane Keaton from like dying and looking for Mr. Goodball. <laughs> I like this. Yes. <laughs> also, I like the implication that because <laughs> you're talking about the actors it's that he actually killed her <laughs> there's no logic here okay <laughs> i like it i like it <laughs> this is good this is good i'm gonna ooh, i'm gonna truly go off the rails okay. and i'm gonna do a mix of characters and actors wild so why listen you can't you can't hold me back i can i cannot <laughs> i do what the fuck i want i cannot <laughs> okay this is this really pains me but i think i'm going to have to fuck karen black because my god it, for the listener we have a reference script that we use and i picked the picture of her uh licking the salt off of her hand after a tequila shot and it is I can't look at this picture and not say that I want to fuck her. It's pretty good. It's got to be fucking Karen Black. (sighs) I'm going to marry Robert Townsend's character because he seems like a very sweet man. Like you said, good head on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. Also, working at the post office, you're going to have that government pension. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're... We're solid. It's 1987. You got it. You know. Yeah, it's 1987. <laughs> right before Black Monday. So like, yeah, you can still now. get a government pension at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, that means I'm going to have to kill Carrie Fisher, the character, and/or the actor. Wild. Wild. Maybe, maybe, maybe just the character. Maybe. Yeah, you just the character. Just the character yeah, the... of Carrie Fisher. 
Not yeah, the... what's that character doing talking to that girl on Twitter in Florida? I mean, get off Twitter, Carrie Fisher, the Is character. Go Fisher. walk your dog. You need yeah. you need to find better instigay assistance yeah, exactly. on this matter. You need you need a better uh, background checks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any gay in the world would love to be your assistant and would love to talk to you on Twitter. This so why true. why this girl? You didn't vet her enough, Carrie Fisher. No. <laughs> you didn't look into all the incest. So mm-hmm. you gotta look into all the incest first thing. Especially you in Hollywood. Gotta check for incest. My God. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, this was an excellent round of Fuck Mary Kill. This was really good. We we pierced through different realities. I, you know. <laughs> ugh. <laughs> ugh. It was beautiful, beautiful uh. stuff. Now, Caden, before we go, can you tell the listener where they can find you? And do you have anything you want to plug? So I'm not on Twitter. It Good was, for you. It was one of those things where it's just like in the middle of a pandemic. It's like, no. Yeah. And then, and then, go. Yeah, no. We're still in a pandemic. <laughs> and it's just like, never again. Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm under my Instagram account, Corpses, Fools, and Monsters, which is sort of a t- take on words from a book I'm trying to write with my collaborator willow mcclay on trans images in cinema and willow's a great writer look her up yep she's great and um i would love to plug that uh i you can see my face on the criterion channel for their queer sided series where i talk about uh, some movies, including Karen Black in Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy what? Dean, Jimmy Dean, <laughs> where I discuss uh, her trans role and also how these movies on queerness relate to class. I'm going to watch that shit today. Well, yeah, everyone should watch it. It is a great video. It's a great series. You will not regret checking it out. Mm-hmm. This was amazing. Uh, guys, listeners sugar things you can find us on twitter and instagram at everyone is hot pod that's one as in number one not o and e everyone is hot pod um please uh like subscribe uh give us a five star review on apple podcasts anything less than five stars we don't want it we don't we, and, we don't we don't we can't waste our time with it. Yeah, just fuck off. But if you do give us five stars and you leave a review where you tell us about your stealth sex symbol, your underrated movie crush, we might just read it on the podcast. We will. We will. We will. We will. Caden, this was so fucking fun. So fun to meet Thank you, you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a real film scholar and not just one of those goofies. Not just a goofy. I really appreciate it. A goofy. I, I don't know. I'm betraying my heritage. <laughs> I mean, I'm California sober, so you Word. have only seen like the goofy side who hasn't taken enough, the non-goofy side who hasn't taken enough edibles. Oh, wonderful. Can't wait to see we you. We might have with, to have you back. We have to have goofies. you back with, with edibles. Oh, my God. Uh, well, this was delightful. Sugar tits, sugar teats, sugar taints, sugar things. We love you. And uh, if you could do us one, just one tiny quick, favor. One quick favor. We would just really ask that you please stay, stay horny. horny. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.